Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Comfort Zone. I am your host, Joe Barksdale. Um, to the first-time visitors as well as the repeat offenders, thank you so much for checking us out. This is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses of sports, uh, music, and comedy. I almost said sports, science, and technology again. Anyway, um, this is not a replacement for therapy. Uh, I'm not a therapist. Um, while these conversations can be therapeutic, you know, that's it. They're, they they can. This, this is not therapy. Um, and we got a guest, so I'm getting right to it. Um, so I'm gonna talk about, wait, I, I did the intro. I told y'all that this wasn't, yeah, okay, cool. Um, so we have a guest today, y'all know how it goes. I'm gonna do my feeling, and then I'm gonna um, introduce the guest, let him tell us about himself, and then uh, and then um, he'll tell us how he feels, and we'll go from there. Uh, I'm gonna tell y'all right now, this feeling is not good. Um, today I feel, or right now I feel, humiliated no it's a it's a mixture of humiliation and like frustration um I actually just talked to my wife before this interview started and I'm just like dog like, I'm tired of I'm tired of have, being miserable all day just to go to sleep just to wake up and be miserable again like this yeah. is, you know like this mental health shit I ain't gonna lie, that shit beats my ass 99.9% .9 of the time. I think that's one of the reasons I'm so honest about it, cause like, I feel <laughs> so bad. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I'm frustrated because I walked away from my job making millions of dollars to be sitting at home praying to God that one day I can do a comedy or a music show. I could be doing that while playing football. I'm a fucking <laughs> idiot. Sorry, all right. Well, <laughs> and with that, before I shoot myself, we're gonna introduce our guest. Now, this is the second half of the, uh, um, is it NAP podcast? Two NAP. Two NAP. This is the second half of the Two NAP podcast we had Jordan McDonald on last time. And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna give it up for another, why do I keep saying giving up? I'm gonna introduce another comedian <laughs> who I think is funny. Uh, his name's Daniel West. What's up everybody? Thank you for having me, Joe. Uh, I would say this is the, the larger half of the Two NAP podcast. <laughs> This is people listening. I'm the I'm the fatter one, <laughs> and Jordan's way skinnier. So. <laughs> Jordan is pretty tiny. <clears throat> so um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then tell us about how you feel right now. All right. Well, I'm a I'm a comic from uh, born in Houston, uh, but currently living in Austin, doing this Austin comedy scene right now. Um, I, I've been. I've performing all my life, I guess, started off acting and then just kind of transitioned over to comedy. And I guess how I'm feeling right right now in the moment. Uh, ooh, I'm, you, you sent over this like wheel of feelings right now and I'm like looking them over because I've never like, you never it's interesting because this wheel has like, it has the basic feelings in the middle and it like expounds on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this makes so like so much sense. I have like more words now. I'm going to look at this wheel every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up i'm glad you got something from it most people do say that uh yeah, this, you know helps them in different ways because i'll be feeling all of this shit <laughs> <laughs> every emotion for real like but right now man uh I, i'm feeling pretty confident right now there you go yeah and it it's 
particularly to do with the situation I'm in uh, with the female, but that's that's here to that. That's it. No, I'm just, <laughs> so this man got somebody pregnant, y'all. I'm no, 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 never that. If, if that was that, it would be worried. <laughs> I'm terrified. <overwhelmed>, hostile, <laughs> infuriated. Right now, it's, it's confident. It's 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 a good good feeling right now. That's what's up. Um, anything else you want to say about yourself before we get started? Uh, I mean, it, I guess more will come up as we go along. I mean, I'm a I like music. I like uh, I'm a pretty artsy fellow, I guess. I like all the creative aspects of life. Bet. Um, yeah, I mean. It... Okay, now I'm going to tell you right now, like I tell everybody, if if there is something that I bring up you don't want to talk about, you know, you can just feel free to be like, we're moving on. All right. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start with two-part question. I know the answer. Okay. I know the answer to one of them, I think. Um, what got you into comedy, and then what got you to Austin from Houston? The second right, was the one I think I know the answer to. Okay, uh, what got me into comedy specifically? Um, I, I've always loved comedy, stand-up comedy, all my life. But I was an actor before, and I and I was, I found myself in a position where I was doing work that I just, I I didn't care about. Like I was I was doing plays and musicals that I just wasn't excited to be a part of. I was excited to see the people, but like all the shows, if I'm being honest, they sucked. Like I I, I didn't want to invite people to it because I just didn't want to <laughs> put anybody through that. I'm just like, I don't want to put you through three hours of torment, so. That's too real. Yeah, but uh, so I got to a point where I was just, I just didn't want to do other people's work. And one thing about comedy is it's your work. You get on stage and, and if it if it's great, then that's good. But if it sucks, then you can improve on it. That's one thing you can't do with musicals and acting is you can't really, you know, uh, alter the script without proper clearance or whatever. So uh, yeah, so it was a, I was in this place where I've always wanted to do comedy, and then I finally was in a position where I, I, I was I visited Austin uh, and went to a stand up show. And uh, long story short, there was a, a crowd of a Christmas office party. Uh, they were in and they were watching one of the comics and one of the comics made an incest joke. <laughs> I don't want to give away his joke, but it was it was a pretty funny joke. I'm not going to lie, but it was definitely in poor taste. For this, yeah, it was definitely in poor taste for this office Christmas party who, let's just say they were a flamboyant group of That's people. Real. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> There's, there's a lot of bright colors in this Christmas book. Damn. Neon uh, red. Let's, let's just say that ringleader had a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Michael Bolton, but like at 70 years old. Like, <laughs> this is this is in Houston or Austin? It was in Austin. Oh, yeah, I came to Austin okay. before I moved here. That makes and, sense. Uh, and you, you know Francisco Ricone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was him. He was the comic. Francisco. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to have I'm gonna have Francisco on here one day. I, like I'm sure he won't run his jokes, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that was the light shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, it was it was I was cracking up the whole time in the back, but they weren't feeling it. Uh, they get into it with Francisco, and eventually they leave, and I'm the only one sitting there. And then all the comics there thank me for being a good audience member, and I was like, yeah, I'm an actor, so I know how to be a good audience member, and I also want to get into comedy. And they were like, oh, really? Well, uh, why don't you do a minute? And they let me do a minute on stage. And uh, it was they told me it was good. They couldn't believe that that was my first time doing comedy. So nice. I've been doing it ever since then. 
See, Daniel's what we would like, what we call, uh, what am I looking for? What's the word? You know, like, actually, I can't even say it's you. It's me that's really fucked up. Because I keep talking about how impressive it is that everybody's first time at a mic was good. Mine was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. But no, nah, that's, um, there are certain things that I am realizing, though, after interviewing a couple comedians now, the... I don't know if it's a desire or a need for that independence. Like you were talking about working for yourself, you know, uh, making your own dreams. And then that's another thing, you know, like following dreams or things that you're passionate about, goals that you're trying to um, that you're trying to achieve. Can you talk about? Well, before we get to that, actually, talk about how has comedy either, you know, how, how has comedy affected your mental health? And this could be like before you were a comedian, after, or you know, over the course of your life. I think it's helped me a lot. Like I, it was, it was the same thing with acting. Like when I was in school, um, I, I would be miserable during the day because I just when I was in college, I went to UT, mm. and I would just be miserable during the day going to classes. I was like, I don't want to do none of this shit. And then finally, I would be at rehearsal for a musical or or at, at a show, and finally have a a little piece because I'm like, this is what I want to do, and this is when I was doing work that I actually liked okay, <laughs> and, and not like working for <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, I felt happiness and I felt, let me see. Uh, it was, this man's going back to the Phillies. <laughs> First time on like, the show, he's going back. Real. I, I like, I, it felt peaceful. Like, okay. Being, uh, doing the shows and everything. Cause I, I that's what I was doing. I was an actor. I, I loved it. And, and now doing comedy, I work from home, so it's not. I've, I work from home, so my day isn't as bad as everybody else's. That you know, have to go in an office or have to, you know, everything. Do whatever everything's do. subjective. Everything yeah. is relative. Because I tell you this, real. Because people always say that, like, well, I don't have it as bad as so and so. But there's a saying, like, um, nothing that grieves us can be deemed little. I think it was Mark Twain that said it. Uh, in the universal laws of equality, a king losing a crown and a child losing the doll are the same. Mm. So, mm -hmm. there you go. My bad. That makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I work from home, and I, I don't like my job. I, I I hate it, in fact. But you know, it it is what it is. I, I I'm able to find certain aspects. Like, okay, I work from home, so I don't have to get up and go to the office. So it ain't that bad. I can find certain reasons to like not be certain, not be down on the day. And then once I get up and do comedy, that makes it even better. Cause now I'm doing, like I said, my day doesn't start till I log off of my laptop for work. And then I'm up and out doing my mics and or doing shows or whatever. Cause that's what I'm really looking forward to. I'm able to look forward to these things that I have to wait on throughout the day. So. Um, so I start in the future and then I want to go to the past a little bit. What? All right. What would you say your? Because you, I'm gonna ask Jordan the same question. You would consider yourself overall like if I described you as an artist, you how would you feel about that? Like you'd say like, yes, I am an artist. Or, yeah. Okay, for I, sure. Yeah, I, I would accept that. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like I would. I mean, I consider you an artist. I don't. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone I've had on this show that I don't consider some type of artist. All right. Anyway, um, when you. Think about 
comedy and also the acting and the performing in general. Like, mm -hmm. um, if you could speak your future into existence, see, I have to say, I have to word these questions differently because yeah. you ask somebody like, "What's their goals?" I ask Jordan, "What's your goal?" I just want to be alive, Nick. Oh, all right. Well, say uh, <laughs> 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 so you want to live. You got a you got a long term goal. That's a Jordan answer too. Yeah, that's a Jordan oh, answer. You love, you probably smoked before. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's a real answer, big dog. Uh, we got yeah, the same know, goal. Just <laughs> <laughs> try to make it, nigga. <laughs> so, if you could speak like you know your future into existence, where would you be in ten years? What would you be doing? Those kind of things. Mm. That's a. I always think about that, and I never really know what I want because I'm I'm such a go with the flow type of dude. That's real. That I, it's it's really hard for me to like think ten years and like five years ahead. Yeah, which is bad because I, I ask everybody that question. I don't have an answer for it. If somebody yeah. asks me, like, and I feel, and I, I feel like I, you should like all the the successful people say they you, you should have like a five like a like I'm pretty sure that's a Steve Harvey quote five or five year plan or something like that, right? And That's I'm like, weird because I never had one. Yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking like, did Steve have one back in like '87 or whenever he started comedy? Like, was did he did did all these people have like a ten year goal or was it just I want to be successful? You know what I think it is. I think it's it's just like um, people's different writing processes. Like di people have different ways of doing things, and I think yeah. sometimes we think that like, oh, this worked for me, so it's got to work for everybody. And it's like, yeah. no, dog, that's that's what worked for you. You know. Um, all right, let me rephrase that question. But I, I definitely want to be out of Austin in 10 years. Okay. You talking uh, about as far as traveling or do you want to move? Like, I mean, like, as far as in the scene, as far as the comedy scene, in the next 10 years, I will say the things that I should have done is be widely recognized in this city. If I'm not widely recognized in this city uh, in the next 10 years, then I think I failed. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. As far as like comedy, like if you you see my name, you should go. Oh, Daniel West got a show this weekend. If anything, like if I'm gonna mm -hmm. be here in Austin for the next ten years, which is something I wouldn't I wouldn't see as, you know, not out of the possibility. But like if I'm gonna be here in ten years, then I should be have taken over the scene. I should be able to look back at what I've done and go, all right, I can move on to L.A. or New York or something else. I can set so new, new goals beyond Texas and Austin or whatever. Would you move? Like, would you physically move to these places, or are these places you would just travel to for the uh, time? If I have the capability, yeah, for sure. All my friends want to leave me. All right, um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody yeah, I mean, else gonna be off doing their own thing. Joe Barks still gonna still be doing the comfort zone in Austin. Yeah, I mean, like it, it just depends because I, I I like Austin. Uh, also, the you know the quality of living is good here too. Like, it's, I, I visited New York and. And Jesus, <laughs> those prices are ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. You're paying a lot and getting nothing. Yeah. Uh, and they should do renovations. <laughs> they got a whole thing about New York. <laughs> like, I, I went to New York when I was 18, and okay. I got off the plane, and and I was I was in Queens, but I didn't know because like I. I like now that I think back, and I was like, man, I was there. Like this, the hip hop started here, man. Like. Where's the look? Yep. Why does it smell like piss? <laughs> why is it so dirty? Because <laughs> it was because it was eighty nine, ninety, baby. That's why. Duh, it was the early nineties. Crack had come through I'm twice. Like, it, should, it should be museum. This should be a dude be like, yo, hip hop started over there under that bridge. Like, 
it, it shouldn't smell like piss over here. So it should be a landmark. <laughs> but you know, Detroit's the same way. Like, yeah. When I was growing up, people, you know, I, I, I never made the connection until I went to high school that like Motown and Detroit were the same city. Yeah. I just assumed I was living like Motown adjacent. Like this can't be the Motown they talk about. It's a crackhead over by that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like, Yeah. Um what do you what would you say that you get out of performing? <laughs> I uh and just have, so you know, the question's going deeper and deeper after that, but please continue. Yeah, I always have this funny answer that's like joking, but it's it's definitely, uh, it, it's it's part joking, part serious. Okay. Like I go, um, the thing I love about acting is it's sort of like mind control. Like being able to make an audience member feel like excited and then feel like sadness and cry and laugh have mm-hmm. these range of emotions. That's like a, it's kind of like a sick, twisted Would thing. Would you call it power? Around. Like having power? Yeah, having, yeah. Like and, yeah. And, and, and it's a, I don't know, like it's weird. Like I kind of. Not to me, I understand what you're saying. Like it's, yeah, like, you're talking about like the ability to elicit an emotional response from someone that did not show up ready to elicit that exactly. emotional response. It's, it's, I can take you out of your world in this imaginary world. And like I said, it's a, it's a form of mind control that I, you kind of get off on as a performer. Uh, like, that's real. Like I said, it's a joking answer, but it's also serious. Like, I, you know. No, that's real. So you, I mean, obviously, you would say that you're able to, like, read faces and emotions and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, in my comedy, acting has definitely helped me, like, read audiences and see, okay. all right, this is going well. All right, this ain't really going well. I should either change it up or, like, try to win them over or, you know, try to dig our way out of this hole or keep going, you know? I'm able to, like, That's real. switch up, you know, things. So what do you think, where do you think that that joy from eliciting those emotional reactions originates from? I recently started reading this book um, by Oprah, and a, there's a, I'm not going to do this doctor to disservice and not mentioning their name, <laughs> but... uh they wrote a book called What Happened to You, and it's about, it talks about like trauma and how it, um, or just things that happen to you as a child in general and how they affect you as an adult in ways you don't even realize. Um, so where do you think that that, I'm still looking for this doctor's name, but I'm asking you the question. Mm. Where do you think that that uh, came from? Like the, the, you know, the excitement, the fulfillment, the joy that you get from eliciting emotional responses from, Shit, strangers. When you think about yeah. it, strangers. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I've never thought about it. I've never like dug that far into it. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's a place from trauma. Uh, I always think it's maybe I'm like I'm the youngest in my family, so maybe it's like fighting for attention, maybe. But I, I don't know. I've never really dug that deep into it. That's real. I know for me, it um, like I grew up in a very unpredictable environment Mm -hmm. me knowing how someone's gonna feel at the end of my show gives me a kind of peace that like you can't buy like because it's it's consistency and the child in me that never had the consistency is like ah just for these few minutes we got it you know um and also it's a great way for me to hide my emotions Mm -hmm. If I can make you emotional, then you don't have to know about all of mine. 
Yeah, I mean, acting is definitely a good tool to get out of emotions too. If you if you are somebody that mm -hmm. like uh, bottles things up, I've noticed that like if ever I get a role where man, there's a a, a, a good anger scene in there. Oh, I'm chomping mm -hmm. at the bit. Going all the way. Shit that I've been holding in, you know? It's, it's, it's a That's good way real. to get that shit out because you just, it's honestly, the good acting is is uh, drawn from your own experiences and and the best actors are ones that go through shit. Um, and honestly, all my shit is just, like I said, being the youngest, not getting listened to, I guess. From, it's relative. From, from olden. Yeah, relative. But um, yeah, it's not being. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, don't try to, don't, because you hear people say that all the time, like, all I had to go through. I ain't going to lie yeah. to you. When I was growing up, like, this is a kid who was getting molested. Like, I'm like, well, this is all I had to go through. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you're never right when you say yeah. that. Because, you know, it, if, if you remember it, it affected yeah. you, you know. But, yeah. Um, and that's for whoever's listening to this, too. I know sometimes people try to, like, not guilt trip themselves into feeling better, but that's what it kind of sounds like. Like, well, I know it's I know it's people starving in Africa. I'm eat this shitty mac and cheese. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, nah, dog, the mac so, and cheese sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, just say it sucks. It's okay. Like, <laughs> who you doing this for? <laughs> um, I, I will say that I've, I've definitely like uh, with comedy. It's it's different because I've experienced more anxiety before I get get on stage. Uh, especially with certain um, environments, and like I, I did this, uh, I did this private event at South by Southwest. How we got the podcast, me and Jordan, we did this uh, mm. private event, and it we walk into this building on Sixth Street, and outside of it looks like a crack den, like, <laughs> like honestly, you would think only nothing but like degenerate meth heads live here. And you walk in and it's yeah. like men in black. You walk in, there's a dude sitting down, it's like elevator, go to the second floor. And you go up and it's a tech company. So it's nothing but high tech gadgets and gizmos in it. There's a bookshelf with rainbow colors, books of every book you'll ever think of. And and we go in there and all of these people like are, are rich and dudes who have Instagram followers with 200, 2 million people or whatever. And, and it's like, Jesus. And I'm seeing all the comics that are, are killing it in the scene. And, and I'm and my anxiety is like tearing up right now. I'm I'm feeling helpless, frightened, overwhelmed, worried, and fear. Like I'm feeling all of this shit. And and it's and it's mm -hmm. and then when I get to the show, not to mention it, I was drinking too, which which didn't help. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of liquor? I'm a I'm a uh, whiskey drinker. Yeah, For but sure. uh, they at the bartender it was free alcohol and. Uh, I asked the bartender, I was like, uh, which it was three cocktails on the menu. I was like, which is your favorite? And you could tell she was waiting on somebody to ask her that because the way she lit up when I asked that, she was like, oh my God, let me tell you about this and this. And, and then she pointed to this one in the middle. She was like, this one has a kick. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking kick means like extra shot or something like that. No, kick meant spicy. Yeah. It was a big old fat jalapeno in it. And it was made with jalapeno vodka, <laughs> which does not help out my anxiety because my stomach is bubbling and now I'm nervous and, and shit. And I'm on stage sweating and everything. And I kill it. It was a great, it was, it was, a, it, I couldn't have had a better set. And, and the feeling I had after that was I like, it was an immediate, like, like happiness i was so joyful uh like all of that shit uh because it, it is that an addictive yeah feeling? yeah I, like from here on out like i i live for those moments of like 
damn, I'm real nervous now. Like it's and because I know the feeling afterwards when it goes well is gonna pay off. Because I've had it mm-hmm. where I've I've been nervous mm-hmm. and it doesn't go go well at all. And I'm like, all right, that's a I'm able to just wash that shit off with the rest of the not well sets. But when it really goes well, when my anxious and my anxiety is acting up. That shit, that, I, I don't think there's anything that be, beats that as far as like anything I've experienced outside of like sex or something. Do you, th- you think that there will be a day when you um don't get nervous before shows or you feel like you're always uh, I think I always be nervous before like big shows. Yeah, because I mean, it, it like I said, That's it real. pays off. And like, I felt so happy that night that when the dude gave us the tour and told us that he, he, he'll open up the studio for us and that's how we we're starting our podcast i told one of them i started like i by the end of the night when i was leaving i was like all right dude i'll see you later man i almost told that motherfucker i loved him like that's how happy i was i almost told a stranger that i met three hours before i loved it. I, I caught myself before i did it i was like i, I I'll see you later dude <laughs> that's how happy i was in that moment with all that shit bro that uh, and I live for that. that. I live for telling strange men I love them just randomly. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this podcast. I live for telling strange men. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great feeling. <laughs> That's what's up. Do you, um, what am I trying to ask you? Do you think that this was going back to what you were talking about? Cause it's not like a play, you know, you wouldn't be as nervous before plays. Do you, do you look at your, set list is like a script to kind of give yourself um to like more or should i say less try to alleviate some of that nervousness or nah, how do you I, work through that because i know there's somebody that's listening that's like oh i get nervous like that like, I, would, how do you and I, would, that? I would say i was less nervous uh when i was doing plays or anything like that it was just when i was doing bad oh. ones it was just uh, there was it was yeah, like playing for yeah, a losing team. It was like, man, we already <laughs> know how to be worried about it. It's like, who cares? <laughs> I don't give a shit about it. But at least yeah, I did a good yeah. job. <laughs> uh, nah, I don't really work my my material like a script. I I, I work like bullet points. I don't. I, I, I my my. It's weird because when I was an actor, it was very by the book. I didn't really like to improv on stage unless it really called for it. Um, but when I'm on stage, it's pretty much all improv. I have my my bullet points that I hit that I want to hit, but I don't really write out what I'm gonna say word by word. I, I I just feel like I'm I'm better when it feels more natural, when it feels like a conversation, because all my favorite comics work like that. Like Patrice O'Neill is my favorite comic of all time. I think he's the goat. And every time I saw him do comedy, like in a video, I didn't see him live. Every time I saw him. Uh, do comedy in a video it, it seemed like he was having a conversation with the audience and I feel like you don't get that mm-hmm. if you script out everything word by word I feel like you really lose that authenticity I'll, I think I was uh, whatever you know yeah, yeah no, I think you, you lose right. that when when you know what everything is going to what you're going to say beforehand so you know I like a conversation that's real would you consider yourself speaking of conversations? Would you consider yourself introverted or extroverted somewhere in between? Uh, it's it's wild, dude. I used to be uh, an uh, extrovert, like I used to be out very out there. And then when I got my full time job, I I noticed I just stopped giving a fuck. It was just introvert all day. Uh, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm I'm extroverted around people. I'm cool with. But I'm very laid back, chill dude. I don't really, you know, be be out of my element like that. So I guess I'm more introverted. But 
extroverted around people I'm comfortable with. Okay. Would you consider yourself mentally healthy? I I don't I I don't know. I guess I don't. Uh, what does that mean? What does I that had mean? Had a gun to your like, head. No, <laughs> mentally healthy. Like, uh, what's the definition of that? Um, let me look that up. Actually, Cause, yeah. Cause, uh, Daniel, why don't you tell us a joke <laughs> while I look up what mentally healthy? No, I'm yeah, just I, I don't know. I have I, I have you know I go through my bouts of like. I, I guess depression, like where I, I, I feel, you know, weird about things. But okay, you know, I wouldn't, says, I wouldn't say I'm mentally healthy. I don't think anybody's mentally healthy. So it says mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think. So your social, I'm sorry, your emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Do you feel like those are like in a good? Place? Uh, it, it depends on the, you know, it depends on. What's going on? I guess. I, yeah, I like to. I like question. to keep. I, I like to stay away from things that bother me. So, most of the time, I'm in a good mood. Uh, you know, but you know, that's right. Shit happens. You know. So you know, I mean, we have Mike. We have Mike Burnett on the show. That's when I started asking people that question because his responses to the questions, I was just like, "Dog, would you consider yourself?" Because these are like the responses that people go to therapy to be able to have, and you just coming up with them. And that's when I started wondering, like, you know, like, do you consider yeah. yourself mentally healthy? I wonder how many people listening to this yeah. consider themselves. And that's an interesting question because I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Thought about it? Is so speaking of that and mental health and all that, I know I'm going all over the place. You were talking about where you would be in 10 years. Does that involve like any kind of a. Like therapy or uh, mental or emotional I, stuff? I definitely want to get in therapy. Eventually, when I when I can okay. afford what it, is your, definitely. But, but uh, yeah. uh, I, I guess I'm looking forward to it in in a, in a sort of way. We should start a we should start like a a foundation that help. There's a there's one in Austin for musicians called uh, Sims, the Sims Foundation. Start a foundation in Austin that gives like comedians, <laughs> you know, like the mental health they need. The problem is if I'm involved in that foundation. I'm gonna need to see a set first. You gotta be like, funny. They ain't wasting. <laughs> I ain't wasting no, no good counseling. I need you to show up with ten minutes of it. Yeah, we ain't <laughs> wasting no this shit on you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm about to kill yeah. myself. Well, just go ahead and do I, it, man. Because I'm not gonna help I, you. Uh, you. You're not on social media, so you wouldn't have seen this. But a few weeks ago, I definitely had a moment on social media where I just. Like, I, I put on there, I was like, I had to address it. I was like, some of you guys need to stop doing comedy. Because I went to an open mic uh, at Moody's Bar and Grill across from UT. And the first time I went to this, first time I went to this, okay. mic, I don't know if you have done it or not, but the first time I went to this mic, it was packed out, standing room only for the college kids. And they were all receptive to everything. It was the, it was a great night. Um, and I told somebody, I was like, they got to curate this because the last thing we need is a bunch of unfunny dudes in a whole row fucking up the vibe. And that's exactly what happened. I went there a few Fridays ago after not being there for like a month and it was empty. Uh, it was, it was, it broke my heart to see it. And there were, it was, it was five people in there. And by the third comic on the mic, three of them walked because for some reason, one of these dummies thought my rape, incest and abortion jokes are going to get off in a room full of multicolored white girls. <laughs> so I'm going to say this. 
Because I've said this shit on like, I feel like I said I said this on somebody podcast. They're like, you know, what's the advice that you would give to someone that's trying? I'm like, guess I would advise you to get some quality advice. Your homeboys when you hire in the living room are not quality advice. Like some of y'all ain't like, like you said, a lot of people ain't funny, and it's weird because it's something. When you think about it, though, <clears throat> mediocrity needs to exist in order for greatness to be a thing. But it sucks when you have to be that close Man, to that mediocrity. Because I, I was eight you on the list, I mean? they walked out by three, so I was I was hot. I I got on stage and apologized. <laughs> On behalf of the, I was like, this is not representative of the Austin comedy scene, people. I'm so sorry <laughs> that y'all had to see this. It kind of is, though. It, it kind of is, though. I took my wife to a show, and by the end of the show, she was like, well, it was <laughs> it was to support a comedian that we both know. I ain't about to just start throwing names out there. But he was, uh, he was the headliner. And my wife just kept looking at me like, where the fuck are they? these are the stages you trying to get on? Are you fucking kidding me? Like you <laughs> you leaving the house doing everything. This is get terrible. <laughs> but this is, get, you cheat nature. But um <laughs> You can't be hitting these bikes. <laughs> you gotta be cheating. I know you oh, ain't out here funny. doing this shit. Like <laughs> But she uh I mean, and it's not just her, like, you know, cats in the area that I live in. And I'm pretty sure if you just went randomly door to door and asked your neighbors, like, people know that there's a lot of comedy shows in Austin, but there are not a lot of good comics in Austin, you know. And it's so, and so many, so uh, much more are coming out. And I'm going to just leave it at that. Like, I haven't done mics in a while because work's been busy. And I go out to a mic and I'm like, yeah. it's like Tommy Davis in the breakfast club. Who are these niggas? Like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Where did y'all come from? <laughs> I'm still trying. Bro, that's too real. To be honest with you, the only mic I do these days is the uh, yeah. Lucky Duck, and that's because I uh, guest host that thing. Like, so I, at least, I feel like I got some kind of control. And it's usually, I mean, yeah. you know, there's I'm, usually I'm people just not meeting some of the old Austin comics that were here before the pandemic. Like, that's real. See, these are people I never meet because I'm introverted, y'all. I the first time I met Joe, first time a white girl. Yeah, that was the first time I was on stage. and was like, "Yo, you don't give a fuck about anything." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He was like, "You must not give a fuck," and I was like, "I don't." Yeah, he was like, like, yeah, "You must not need to be like, here." I don't. Anyway, back to this material. Like, damn. I mean, I will say this: people who were there. I mean, oh, granted, no, it no, may have been a tag right. person, they were, you know, no one said entitled white women. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be trying to make a safe environment for the comics, dog. Like, even at the Lucky Duck and all that. Like, come yeah, on, Lucky Duck is, uh, there. Let's is clap, weird. Please, sometimes you'll like, have a you good know. good night with people, and, and other times, I heard it the other night, it was. It was packed out full of people, but they were all like they were in their own world. They didn't give a fuck about the comedy. It was, yeah, yeah. It was we here, but not oh, for like this they shit. were partying. <laughs> we doing our own thing. Fuck all this shit. That's too yeah. real. I mean, that's not real. That sucks, but I understand. I don't know. These are the. What are some what are some things about comedy like somebody because yeah. obviously people know about the good parts of comedy you get your specials your your TV appearances your Saturday Night Live 
But like, what are some of the bad things that people don't know? About, um, you know, as a comedian, it's a about? it's a process. You know, <laughs> you don't just get on stage, be funny, and then get a special. You got to work that shit out, and it don't always work. Uh, that's what I'm learning. Um, things that'll work nine uh, uh, six days out of the week. That seventh day will bomb, and, and it just it just it be like that sometimes, dog. Just. Uh, one thing I learned early on is you got to dust that shit off and mm-hmm. kind of move on to the next one. You're going to bomb. You're going to have good sets. But it, it's like it, it, like this hand football. When you throw an inception, you got to have an elephant's memory about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to have a short Yeah. Term. Quarter, quarterbacks, <laughs> you get tackles, beat, and though. You gotta, Hey, you got beat, dog. Let's go. got to have a short-term memory. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't get beat again. It is what it is. Yeah, don't, don't go out there and get beat 10 more times Just in a row. Don't get beat again. Uh, you going to have to That's honestly, I feel like that adversity is how you can tell who's like a real, like, okay, this yeah. is like a legitimate respect. Yeah, because I mean, that was another, another thing at the Moody's thing. Dude was bombing and, and ended up you calling know? one of the girls a bitch. And I was like, what are you? Just accept the bomb, bro. Just, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, bro? Over here attacking the audience. Yeah, there's... Uh, I think because there are so many comedians in Austin and because, like, so many comedians that you see by the time you see them, not you, but I'm talking about, like, the average person, yeah. they polished. They on late-night television, they on SNL, you know what I mean? Like, and I think because they're polished, they make it look so easy that people just think, oh, this is easy. I'm just, yeah. shit, I can go up here and call, say a couple bitches, a couple N-words, you know. And I think that that's one of the things that's happening in the city right now. It's like, oh, Richard probably don't look like he was struggling. Let me yeah. get my ass out here and see what's going on. And, and they don't know what a punchline is. I say motherfucker, is. too. No. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And they don't know what a punch. Can you speak on that a little bit? How would you? Okay, we all know how to. Uh, like a back line. to the movies. Could you speak on that they, a little bit? They're up there. They, the they want to be their favorite edgy comic when they hear their edgy comic okay. doing the rape jokes, but they don't realize that their edgy comic has a, a punchline at the end of that joke. There's something funny about it, even if it is a, a rape joke. Also, we in a. It's not a comedy club, you know. Yeah. It, it, pick mm-hmm. your spots. Pick your battles, bro. But uh, yeah, no, it's a lot That's of. Real. It's a lot of. Things that comedy that people don't, don't realize. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I, I want to say networking. Oh, I'm going to say networking, but I want to say another word um, mm. that I, I, I probably shouldn't say. That's Go ahead. Yeah. I, Can I say I was the word? Say even, is it going to be messed up? Ask yeah. <laughs> He was probably going to say like dick sucking. Dick riding, dick sucking, a lot of that <laughs> going on. Not fellatio, uh, literal, but figured a lot of fellatio. And maybe literal too. Man, we don't know what's going on behind clothes. I don't, if I after Will Smith <laughs> slapping Chris Rock, right I don't now. know what's going on anywhere anymore <laughs> at all. Like, you know, yeah, work your way through it. <laughs> I kind of I, I try not to one thing one thing I see is every time yeah. I see a lineup um, and, and I see a lot of the same comics and I see a lot of the same comics that I've seen that I, I, I've i had funnier sets on different shows on and, I, and I'm still on these shows I'm not saying that they bomb but I'm saying I'm better he's saying that these comics bomb 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I see a lot of. That I'm saying they bomb. I try not to let it affect me. I try to, you know, stay in my own lane. But I, I think that's one thing I, I struggle with is like, damn, I should be on those shows. I should be doing a lot more. And and a lot of because I, I see a lot of people coming to me like, yo, dad, you, I see you, you know, working hard. You see, I see you on a lot of shit. And I'm like, yeah, but I I want more shit. I want to do more things. I'm I'm working hard this month, but I'm looking forward to next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I know, yeah, like you're living in the future. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I almost slapped the shit out of my neighbor the other day. This was like a couple of weeks ago. Now, granted, my wife, she was with me, so she said it was a compliment. He was like, like we were walking by. Hey, Joe, are you performing at the any at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival? And I was like, wow. Somebody, somebody he just trying to play the fuck out of me? Like, like, what are you doing at Moon Tower? Dog. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Bro, I almost like, slapped the shit. Like, bro, don't you ever try to play me like that again? Like, yeah. but my wife was like, "No, you don't understand. That means that he thinks you're good enough to be there." I'm like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm no, trying to you be know there." What's crazy about it is you look These at fucking that local, consolation like, prizes ain't doing nothing for me. Section because there's a section with the here's the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Here's the section with all the people you know, and then there's the local comics. And I don't know none of them niggas, but it's, it's, but it's like one or two I, I know, and they just moved here like a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, I it's agree. Like, Damn. Yeah, I'll say this, and this is one thing that has helped me stay sane on the comedy scene. As somebody who started football late at 16, like, I had coaches when I was 16 tell me, you know, you ain't going to be shit. Like, you're not even going to college. <laughs> and these same coaches now brag about coaching. Me. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I say that to say, like, shit changes quickly. So, I think, and me and Jordan talked about that a little bit off the air, but, like, I think at the end of the day, well, me and you talked about it too. Like in five years, when you're doing what you're doing, you're gonna be looking yeah, back yeah. on half these shows that you want to be booked on. Like, bro, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even use this as an open mic opportunity right now. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's, and I, that's something else. Yeah. Like, I want to bring that up. Like, we got to do a better job of supporting each other. Like, every day ain't easy for everybody. And just even like, and me and Daniel have had different conversations before. Some of them bordering on the suicidal, and then others, you know, were just lighter. But like. We, as people, have to do a better job of encouraging each other. It's cool to encourage yourself and speak it to yourself, but, like, people always want to sit yeah. around and talk about, nobody's looking out for Honestly, me. No one's encouraging uh, me. And I, I, I've been Who you calling? Hard, like, trying to you know what I'm saying? be better at so, that, like, putting other people on, even even if I am getting opportunities and I'm looking out for more, but I'm also, like... If if I got the opportunity, because honestly, that's Jordan put me on that private gig, and that was the best show I've done so far. Like, and I wouldn't have done that if the homie didn't mm-hmm. put me on. So I can't. I would be an asshole yeah. not to pay that shit forward and put somebody else on that I think is w- worth it. You know what I mean? It's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of shit mm-hmm. comics out here, but there's also a lot of good to great uh, potential potential comics out here that aren't getting you know opportunities because. You know, for whatever reason, they're not in front of the right people, or they don't know the right people, or who, whatever. But there's a lot of people that aren't getting. Yeah. No, but the cream always rises to the crop. Like cream always rises, and I told Jordan that yesterday. I was like, "It's inevitable." You know, it's inevitable. I mean, there are certain things that are already not, I'm not going to say they, well, yeah, they're already written, but like, you know, some of these things, they're inevitable. Like the cream will rise to the top. And certain comedians, it's funny. I do think you'll come back and be like, damn, these same five dudes on the same, on the same five shows. That's crazy, you know? <laughs> but speaking of uh, comedy, 
how vulnerable would you say that your comedy is? Mm-hmm. Or like how vulnerable are you on stage? Just, you know, on the average I, show. I don't think I'm that vulnerable at all. Like, like personally, like, I don't think I'm that vulnerable, like, with my personal life. I don't, I don't really get into my personal shit on stage. But, I, I mean, I more talk about, like, I don't know. I guess I talk about how I feel, I guess. But it's it's always from a place of mm. joking. So I don't I don't think it's ever uh, too vulnerable, I guess. That's real. Is that something that <clears throat> is that something that you? How can I put this? Is that something uh, that like, scares you, or is it just something like I'm not? Yeah, I think to do I, I don't know either. if it scares me, but I think I am definitely. There is definitely like a a, a worry about it, digging into uh, vulnerable topics. Because there are there are definitely topics that are uh, eventually I would like to talk about That's that real. I just don't. Um. But that's also just like cause I don't like telling stories on stage too because I just I feel like I feel like I'm not at a place where that's where I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm not I'm not good enough, but I'm not at a place where I I I'm able to I don't know. Uh, every time I've told a story on stage, I don't feel like I'm holding the people's attention like I should be. Uh, part of that and part of it is also I'm I'm always like like I said when I'm on stage I'm always looking out for the people so i'm looking at them i'm also worried about it's a lot going on when i'm doing comedy so i'm looking mm-hmm. at the people i'm worried about how i'm telling the story is this too long is this part too short is am mm-hmm. i punching it up enough so i'm always gauging like w- where i'm at with the story and that for me is is too much going on as far as where i'm at in comedy right now so i'm like holding off on on like I feel that. S- telling stories i've done it a few times but like I, I just it's it's it, right now that's not my lane. That makes sense. When it comes to um, so when it does come to those more vulnerable like jokes or you know those more vulnerable topics that you do speak on, would you say that it hits different when people laugh or when people don't laugh? Uh, I mean, I've never stuff that you've tried more open about um, those type of jokes, but I've seen people try. Like, like I saw a dude talk talk about like how, his mom and how much of a bitch she was. No, no, nah, nah, it, but it was it was. <laughs> He's talking about well, it, me, it, and I could tell no, like, just... he thought it was funny. And <laughs> no, maybe I know. In a environment, it would have been funny, but where we were, it just wasn't funny, and like the people, it just wasn't comfortable. And I get he was being vulnerable in that moment, like telling mm-hmm. his truth, but it just wasn't coming off. And I and I feel like certain topics that you know you try to make jokes with, and if it, you know, they can come off a certain way. And I'm just trying to. I always want my comedy to not come off. A certain way. I mean, yeah, like, it, mm-hmm. like yeah, hurtful. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. like, I don't want to hurt angry, anybody. I don't want uh, to come off like hurtful. I'm ranting, because that that to me just doesn't look good on stage. It's just a motherfucker yelling mm-hmm. uh, about nothing. <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, that, and that, that goes to the part of yeah. your punchlines. I always tell myself when I write a joke or if I, I attempt to write a joke, where what's funny about this? Where's the punchline? And if I can't point it out, then I need to work on it. Mm. That's real. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I, I didn't realize this, but, like, yeah. I am apparently incredibly vulnerable on stage. I used to not be. Like, when we first met, Around yeah, that you, time, like I was trying to crack more jokes. You were very, like, you were the definition of vulnerable and stuff and all that. Um, <laughs> but that shit used to be scary. Like, and I never told anybody about this. I did this. I did this set, and it was about twenty minutes long. And I, I killed. I, I, I killed. You can listen to it. I can play it for anybody who's listening right now. I killed. I said that shit to Roy Wood Jr. I said, hey, man, um, you know, like, I, I need you to dissect this set. I need to, you know, I'm trying to film a special. Like, I want to be great. <laughs> so, you know, don't hold back. That man did not hold back. You would have thought I bought <laughs> Not yeah. the bad way, but, like, most of the stuff he was saying, he was like, yeah, people going to laugh at that today, but, like, they're not going to remember you for this. Like, yeah. he was saying, like, you know, like, we need to know more about you, like, who you are. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's not easy. Cause you know you opening yourself up, and once you go that deep, yeah. you can't turn back around. But I ain't gonna lie, that's the only way I know how to be now. Yeah, no, I mean since me and Jordan been starting the podcast, I'm super it's definitely helped me uh, work through those like storytelling and vulnerable aspects. Like I've definitely talked about shit that I've never talked about on stage on that podcast. And I probably it should be the other way around. I feel like is the podcast is being filmed and recorded, and that's gonna be put out in the world. <laughs> so I feel like. On, but I feel like on stage, it's it, no. it, it's it, it's better I, I because think, less people are going to see that. If I'm putting out a podcast and putting that out to the world, I feel like. But I'm saying ain't nothing wrong with you talking about, like, something that happened yeah. and you talking through it on the podcast. And then when you have it together, like, you do it on stage. Like, I mean, because that's the way I do shit sometimes, you know. Like, it'll be something. It could be something that I've said, like, in one of these podcast episodes, and I'll go back, think about it, and, you know, craft something around it. But I think sometimes, especially when you're talking about vulnerable things, we mm. need to be very mindful of sharing our scars and not our wounds. Wounds still need to heal. You know, wounds still hurt when you expose them. Whereas that's with scars, that's why, like... That's why I feel like I need to go to therapy so I can feel like posts like that. You know, what happened and where. <laughs> it feels like a therapist quote, too, man. <laughs> I didn't get that from therapy. <laughs> I heard that shit from a Marine, actually. During this, nah, you, know, you know what really sucked about having, like, white head coaches versus black head coaches? Bro, I had, <laughs> it would be who they would invite in to speak to you during the season to motivate the team. Every year, some dude that's going to come in halfway through the season to motivate the team. When it's a white head coach, it's always a fucking Marine. Like, always a fucking Marine. <laughs> and like the wider the coach, the more injured the Marine. Y'all better listen to Sergeant Bigley. He only has one hand and two teeth. Like, <laughs> so cool. but when it's a black coach, it's always something cool. Like, nigga, that's how I make Kobe Bryant. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's so good. we came in and talked. I'm like, oh, I ain't letting this opportunity pass me by. What's good, big dog? Like, I know you don't have any idea who I am, but we're about to be real good friends. Like, let's give it up for Snoop Dogg, y'all. Hey, what's you tracking like? <laughs> Sergeant, who gives a fuck? Woo! Dog. 
but it would be just, and the worst part about it is when these Marines will be coming in like, oh, I worked on the super secret <laughs> Delta squad. Oh, well, what was it like? I can't talk about it. What the fuck you here for? Like, then what are you here for? The one thing that makes you interesting is gone. Like, who have you killed? How many people have you killed? <laughs> oh, that's not public. Well, what the fuck you do? What you here to talk about? Adversity? Like, all that shit used to piss me that's off. Cool. You know what? If, if any NFL coaches listen to get somebody else to talk to the yeah. team besides a yeah, fucking get Marine. A baby in there, goddamn it. No, no, I mean, thank you for your service to the Marines, but goddamn. <laughs> I need Kanye telling yeah, me Kanye how to push Sunday through, all right? That's, that's what I, I need Drake <laughs> to come in and say, you know, people used right to not believe. <laughs> That's Today we're gonna have this meeting in the uh, chapel, <laughs> but yeah, that's damn. I didn't even realize that shit annoyed me so much till just now. Because <laughs> it's like it's always some super secret guest. Because you yeah. they bring them in, they talk to you, and then you go into the office. And I mean, then you go into the bye week. Like they're trying to keep you motivated in between. You know what I'm saying? But I will say that is one thing that I did learn from a Marine, though. I forget his name. And shout out to him. I mean, shout out to all the Marines, for real. Like, this, I ain't got nothing against y'all. Um, actually, I'm good friends with a bunch of Marines. Y'all up right now. So if y'all want to come, you know, come on. I'll fuck you. No, I'm just playing. But uh, <laughs> fuck y'all up. I'll call in some favors. And they'll probably be like, sorry, Joe, I'll choose the Marines over you. Damn! Well, I've always wanted to die, so I guess... No, I'm just playing. But, um... <laughs> What was I talking about? Coaches hiring Marines. Oh, the Marine came in. I forget his name, but that was like the one that was, he was actually like super cool. Like, cause I remember when I saw him and they were talking about like, oh, we got corporate, corporal or, you know, Marine, whoever. And I'm just like, dog, here we go. Another one. But this man actually had like a speech prepared. And that's where I heard the share your scars instead of your wounds from. Um, he said, every good leader shares, shares from their scars. I learned about sharing from your wounds after I came out about being mentally ill and went on a press tour. <laughs> that was not the time to go on a press tour. Talk about your like, boy, you need to be in intensive therapy. You out here talking on these cameras. Like, yo. <laughs> yeah, like, you need to process this first. But I, I yeah. say that to say, I do think there are some things that need to be processed. Yeah, and then they become fantastic a, jokes. A layer of shit that I haven't dug into. Or stories. Time. That I'm eager to, I guess, resolve and then dig into, I guess. Yeah, that's real. I will say that there is a definitely like yeah. a, a pain that's involved in some of that because sometimes it's you reliving something that's not so, you know, not so hot, you know. And that takes you. Would you say it takes an amount, like a, an amount of? Yeah, I think it takes bravery, uh, and courage of, to like courage be vulnerable. To- you don't say it in general, but definitely to be vulnerable, it, it's it's a it's a lot harder just because you're sharing a lot more. Um, and you know what? I, I see a lot of comics kind of there's a lot that a lot of comics kind of downplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you like one thing you hear at the open mic is the suicide joke. The well, if I bomb here, I'm gonna you know that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go kill myself. Yeah. I'm not gonna go kill myself. That's how the joke goes. People say like, if I bomb here, I'm gonna go kill myself. Yeah, you know, motherfuckers like, be there, like, there's definitely every a lot time of I say kill myself, like, you about to kill yourself? No, like, dog. Not, like, I was just trying to say 
the vulnerability I'm talking about, but like there are definitely people that I see on stage. I'm going, man, I wish I was, I could, I could go up there and do that with that level of, you know, this is a confidence thing to me. Like I, I just haven't reached that level of, uh, uh, you know, where I can where I can go on stage and, and just be comfortable doing it. You gotta be comfortable too. Do you think this? You think some of it is because uh, yeah, things that I mean, it's definitely like revolving these revolving um, these subjects, or is it just more you, like you still diff- deal with those issues? And, uh, like, because you never know how certain things trigger certain emotions. So if I'm on stage talking about something. And I, I don't want to get on stage and talk about something and, and start crying. And they just, what the fuck is, what the fuck is wrong with mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just up there, I'm just up there sobbing. sobbing. No, it's like, I don't, that's I don't think that's a, a good look necessarily being on stage at a show. Man, acting his so, ass off right uh, now. <laughs> fuck, I was going to say something too. Uh, I forgot. But, uh, yeah. That's Wait, what'd you, what'd you ask? The marijuana um, folks. <laughs> I wish I could hear rewind. Uh, no, what do we? Oh, I said, are there? Uh, you were talking about things that you want to make jokes about on stage. I said, do you think yeah. that uh, part of the reason that um, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely takes because, time. Like a stuff um, you still need to work through, or is it just something that's just going? And, and I didn't help me think about what I was going to say out. too. Fuck. Nah, it's alright. Uh, yeah, nah. But yeah, it's definitely uh, time and, and just working My through bad, the stuff. Um, <laughs> Do you have... I, I, I be in the sentences with um a lot. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> what the think I'm going to say something else? And I'll just be like, um, and then just stop talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh... What's something that you want to talk about yeah. on stage, but you're not ready to talk about on stage? You and I'll tell you something too. Like I'm not just gonna ask you that deep ass question and then not have an answer. Oh, did you want me to go first? Um, all right. So when I came out about the mental health stuff uh, in the New York Times or LA Times article. Everybody in their grandma was calling my phone, you know, all that kind of thing. I wanted to have a meeting with, like, my parents to try to, like, I, I, I didn't think it was going to solve all the trauma, but just try to, like, start on the step to, like, reconciliation and that kind of thing. Uh, my dad showed mm-hmm. up. My mom was comfortable in her pajamas. And she knew about it the day yeah. before, but my mom said, like, I'm comfortable in my pajamas. I'm not, I'm not going to make it today. And that hurt. Like, that hurt a lot, you know? Like, when someone who is, like, mainly yeah. responsible for you being the way you are doesn't even want to show. Anyway, that's what I want to talk uh, about on stage. For me, I'm it's... Obviously uh, still dealing with that. I just stared off into space. Oh, but, yeah. I know exactly what I was so, going to talk about. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. but And I, I can transition into it. Uh, for me, is it's talking about my my father's death and how that affected me and, and all this shit. Because... Um, Nice. I don't really talk about my time in college because it was I, my father died my freshman okay. year in college, and that kind of messed me up as far as it, like as far as like what I cared about 
that's that, like my attitude as far as being miserable all day. It came from that. Cause I was like, it definitely, I don't, that's where I got the feeling of, I don't do things I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to, if I, if I don't feel like if, if the vibe doesn't feel right, if, if I don't want to be here, then I'm, I'm just not going to be here or whatever. And it came from that. And that's, and just, you know, just trying to deal with things my own way. Um, but dealing with that, like how, have being above the age of 18 and not having a father is things that I, I want to talk about, but I kind of don't know how to deal with it yet. Cause you know, I'm still dealing with it and, you know, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna say this. I appreciate you for being um, a great interview. For oh, definitely. Let me know. Time with us today. Uh, I know my interviews aren't always the easiest, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, and I would like to have you back too, huh? For sure. Yeah. I um. Yeah. I. Uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, I will say that that's incredibly brave because, like, what you were talking about with your yeah. dad dying, like the dude and, was uh, pretty much my what dad. I was gonna like, say is, um, I, I watched I it was the HBO talking like, funny thing that, like, you where know, you know they were talking about they were something. talking about the N word, they were talking about nigga, oh. and they were talking about finding the funny in situations. Jerry Seinfeld goes, uh, "You found the funny in that word. I just haven't, and or I'm not looking for it." That's kind of where I'm at with certain things. Like, like I just haven't found the funny in it yet. I don't know if I'm looking for it or I don't know if it's going to come. So we'll just see. Eventually, I'm going to maybe get into a place That's where true. I am going to be like, oh, this is, I'm going to look back at where I was in that situation and find a bunch of funny shit from it when I find it. But I don't know if I'm necessarily looking right now. Yeah. Dude, that's a good place to end on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Daniel West. Yeah, I just saw you do an interview with Michelle Williams. I was like, is that Destiny Challenge? I'm telling you, Yo. people going to be looking at my interviews like, dog, you had these dudes on season one? I, I did. I did. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you, man. Hell yeah. um, Daniel's also a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Not so much bass anymore, hey, but yeah, I play the piano. Oh yeah, and Jordan, Jordan <laughs> said that we need to have a jam session. I know you play bass and keys. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, for sure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to. The show's over. We appreciate y'all. I'm about to talk to Daniel about this jam session. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.